the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I believe this promise of the Lord being with you to the very end of the age is because when you go, he, he already knew that you were going to be a little timid, a little scared, and there are going to be times where you're going to be threatened or persecuted because of your faith and your boldness. But as you, as you share your faith and your love for Jesus Christ, I believe that you have nothing to fear because God himself will be with you via the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch, and we're glad you are joining us tonight. The difficult times we live in begs the question, where is God during our most challenging times? We believe the more the world becomes chaotic, the more we need to draw closer to God and learn to trust in Him. The Bible is our source for all things that sustain us as Christians. Philippians 4.7 tells us that we can have the kind of peace that transcends all understanding, even when the world seems to be completely out of control. Over the next 30 minutes, Pastor Dudley Rutherford is going to share a message meant for everyone listening right now. We know it is no accident you are with us tonight, for God orchestrates all things perfectly. So let's join Pastor Dudley right now with tonight's message. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 28. I heard of an illustration from Tyler Edwards who explains that whenever a bomb is dropped, they measure what's called a blast radius, defined as the affected area when an explosion occurs. He went on to say that the church should have a love radius. That any time a church is planted or a church is built or there's a group of people who say this is our church, that from that church there should be a radius like 20 miles, a, a love radius where the community around that church should be affected in a positive way. There are literally millions and millions of people whose lives should be touched by our love and by our sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, I enjoy reading biographies. I I brought some books that I've read, and they're all four uh, biographies. The first one is written by Laura uh, Hillenbrand. She wrote a book called Unbroken, and this is the story of Louis Zamperini, who was in the war, and he got shot down 800 miles south of the Hawaiian Islands out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, and everyone thought he was dead. And he survived in the ocean on a raft for like 47 days. He got picked up by the Japanese uh, uh, a warship. And uh, he served as a prisoner of war for five years. Everyone thought he was dead. Uh, when the war was over, he gets out. And they just did a movie on his life story, except the movie's good, but the book is so much better because the movie left off the most important part of his story. And that is after the war... He got saved at a Billy Graham crusade 
And he spent the rest of his life serving Jesus and preaching the gospel on the subject of forgiveness. An incredible story, an incredible book. If you've not read that, I would encourage you uh, to read that. And then I read this one about a, a year and a half ago called Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer is a Christian pastor in Germany when Hitler was trying to rid the world of Jews. Hitler killed some six million Jews. And this pastor stood up literally against Hitler. Hitler had him arrested. And right before uh, uh, Hitler died, one of the last things Hitler did uh, before he died is he called this guy out of prison and had him executed. And so it's a life, it's a true story about a pastor who stood up in a very bad culture, but he stood up for righteousness. And uh, it's an incredible book, an incredible uh, biography. And then I just finished, uh, just a couple of months ago, I finished this biography. Uh, this was on Coach John Wooden, one of the greatest coaches who ever lived. And of course, he coached at the great UCLA. I just thought I'd mention that to you. <laughs> I tried to find a good book on a USC coach. I couldn't find one. <laughs> USC has a lot of good boosters. They've got good boosters. Uh, but UCLA has all the good coaches. But... Uh, Coach Wooden, in the later years of his life, attended our church. We became friends, and uh, this was an amazing book that went through all his championships. I'm actually quoted in the book. I'm misquoted, but I'm misquoted. Okay. A fascinating read, and I enjoyed that. The book that I'm reading right now is a book called Titan, and it's a biography on John D. Rockefeller uh, Sr., and he was one of the first oil barons in America. He had a gazillion dollars, and uh, he gave most of his money to universities and to medical facilities until he became a Christian. And when he became a Christian, he literally spent the rest of his life, he had a goal to see how much of his money he could give away to Christian causes. And I've not finished this book, but uh, I'm enjoying this. Now, these are four biographies, but they're not my favorite four biographies. My favorite biographies are the first four books of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Matthew's only about 40 pages thick. Mark is 25 pages. Luke is 50 pages. And John is 30 pages. And trust me, you'll get a lot more out of reading these four biographies than you will these four biographies, and it won't take you near the time to read it. Can someone say amen? But uh, all four of those uh, books uh, begin uh, talking about the birth of Jesus. They go through his life story, which is about 33 years of time, his parables, his teachings, his healings. They get towards the end, and you'll read about the death uh, where he died on a cross. He was buried. Three days later, he resurrected. He was on earth for about 40 days. And then I have the letter A there, which stands for the ascension. He went back into heaven. So tomorrow... If someone came up to you and said, hey, do you go to church? What would you say? Yes. <laughs> well, what church is that? Church. Oh, perfect. I have a question for you. Where can I read about the birth of Christ? You would say exactly what I would say. I can't tell you the exact verse in Scripture. But if you look at the beginning of Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, you'll read all about the Christmas story. And if they said, well, can you tell me about where in the Bible does it talk about the death, burial, and resurrection? You would say the same thing I would say. I can't tell you the exact verse in Scripture, but if you look at the end 
of either Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, you'd find the story of the death, burial, and resurrection because all four of those books are simply biographies on the life of Christ. John said this in John 21. He said, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Amen. Now, in your upper right-hand corner of your timeline, I want you to find a little black box. You see the little black box up there in your timeline? Now, I think of a black box when an airplane goes down, and uh, they got to find the black box. Why? Because they want to know what happened, but it records the last words of the pilot. Likewise, when I put the little black box in there, what I want you to know, what we're studying today, are the last words that Jesus ever spoke. They're important words. Anytime a man speaks his last words, how many of you know those are important words? I, I want to look at the last words that Jesus spoke. And as we read through these, I want you to ask yourself, are you obeying, are you doing that which Jesus called us to do right before he went to heaven? Matthew 28, verse 18, it says that then Jesus came to them and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, verse 19, I want you to go. Don't don't stand here on this mountain looking up at me as I leave. I want you to go, and I want you to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. And then, verse 20, teach them to obey everything I have ever commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I want to go through this one by one. Number one, write this down. Jesus told his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations. And I always envisioned the word go as an acronym, G-O, for me, stands for Global Outreach. That God was calling the disciples to take the gospel to the world. And if you think about this, this was written in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, a town not very big, and just a few disciples, and yet here we are today because the disciples obeyed what Jesus asked them to do. In verse 19, Jesus said to go and make disciples, and And when you see that phrase, make disciples, what that means, write this down, it means to to lead people to become followers of Christ. What is a disciple? We're supposed to make disciples. What is a disciple? A disciple is someone who follows Christ. Note, I did not say someone who has a head knowledge of Christ. Just because you know about Christ does not make you a follower of Christ. Every single person in here knows of Jesus Christ. I just said his name. We're here to talk. We're talking about him. There's four books written about his life. You have a head knowledge, but that does not mean you are a follower of Christ. Because if you are a follower of Christ, it means that you will live like Christ. You will love like Christ. You will mimic Jesus Christ. You will honor Christ and obey Christ. Here's a good question. Has anyone ever confused you with Jesus? Has anyone ever said, you know what, you remind me of Jesus? They should. Paul wrote these words in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1, 
He said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Could you say that? Could you say to your neighbor, hey, you follow me as I follow Christ. We're going to be okay. Most times, here's what we say. Hey, don't follow me. You follow Christ. Why do we say that? Because we know we're not living like Christ. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. He was a follower of Christ. And I would say to you, if we follow Jesus Christ, that we too could say those exact same words. Uh, Jesus said, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. You know how many nations there are? Write this number down. 196 nations in our world today. And God has called us to love these people and to win these people to Jesus Christ. That's why, as a follower of Christ, as a Christian, there should not be any racial prejudices or hatred in your heart towards any other people group. I don't know, I don't know if we'll ever be colorblind. I, I don't think we're supposed to, I'll just, I'll tell you, I don't think we're supposed to be colorblind. I don't think God wants us to be colorblind. I, I think God is a God of color. I mean, have you ever seen the rainbow that God, is it all one color? Did God make all kinds of colors up in that rainbow? Have you ever looked at the flowers of the field? Aren't you glad God didn't just make one color flower, but he made all the flowers beautiful? And when they're all together, that's when they're beautiful is when you see all the different colors. And I believe the same thing about our skin. I I think God created. I told you last week, I don't know how God did that. I know scientists try to explain it. One day I'm going to ask God, God, how do we all get to be different colors? I think instead of being colorblind, we should be color appreciative. Hatred and prejudices are of the devil himself because the devil came to, to kill, steal, and to destroy the human race. And God has called us to love. I think I've said this to you, whenever you're walking down a hallway and you look up and you see someone who's a different color than you, and you're wondering, I wonder what he thinks of me. And he's thinking, I wonder what that guy thinks of me. I've always said when you're walking down the hallway and you look up and you see if someone of a different color, you speak first. Hey, how you doing? You speak first. They'll go, hey, I'm doing okay. I think there almost should be a contest as you walk down. How you, how you doing? How you doing? Hey, I said it first. No, I said it first. No, I said it first. Because when you speak first, you build a bridge. And when you build a bridge, you start to build a relationship. And when you build a relationship, you start to build rapport. And once you have rapport, well, that's the platform that God gave you to share Jesus Christ with that brother. Number two, he says, go and make disciples of all nations and then baptize all of them into the name of the Father and to the name of the Son and into the name of the Holy Spirit. Those seven billion people on those seven continents, God wants the entire world to be baptized into the name of the Father, into the name of the Son, into the name of the Holy Spirit. You see, when you get baptized into the name of Jesus, what you're saying when you're baptized 
is that I am submitting my life to the authority of the person whose name is mentioned. It's why we don't baptize you into the name of Barry Bonds. Because if we were baptizing you into the name of Barry Bonds, what, would ha- what that would mean was, as you are baptized, that you are submitting that he is going to be your Lord. We don't baptize you into the name of Donald Trump. We don't baptize you into the name of Ronald McDonald. We baptize you, and if you've ever been baptized or if you've ever seen anybody get baptized, we quote verbatim that verse because Jesus said to go into the whole world, make disciples, baptize them into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So when we baptize you, we put our hand up in the air and we say, I now baptize you into the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we baptize. What that means is you are submitting your life to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Write this down. Write this down. Romans chapter 6 talks about the death, that your baptism is a picture. It's symbolic of the death and the burial and the resurrection, just symbolically of the death, burial, and resurrection. I'll read it to you. Verse 3, don't you know? In other words, you should know this. Have you ever said, don't you know? You should know this. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his what? Into his death. We were therefore buried. Everybody say buried. You see that? That's why that that word right there is is why we immerse. We don't sprinkle you. Because baptism is a picture of the death and the burial of resurrection. We don't sprinkle you. We bury you, right? You know, and it's the same reason why, why when you die, we don't just sprinkle you with dirt. Can you imagine going to your funeral and this guy puts a little teaspoon of dirt and just throws it on your casket and everybody walks away, hey, what are you doing here? Well, you, I said, you got to bury him. And he would say, well, you're putting too much emphasis on the amount of dirt. I would say, no, I know the difference between being buried and buried. And that guy's not buried. We got to bury that guy. The reason we immerse is because that's the way they did it in the Bible. Look again at verse 4. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that so that, here's the reason why, just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Verse 5, if we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. Ladies and gentlemen, God wants... God wants us to go into the whole world and teach people to be followers of Christ and then to baptize them into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So I say this before I move on. If you ever get baptized, do not get baptized because I think you should get baptized. If you ever get baptized, do not get baptized because this church thinks you should get baptized and this church thinks you need to get baptized. And if you ever get baptized, do not get baptized because you want to get baptized. You missed the point. If you ever get baptized, do it because Jesus wants you to be baptized. Jesus was the one who said, go make disciples and baptize them into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so you're baptized because Jesus wants you to be baptized. Amen? Amen. Now the next point, write this down quickly. Teach them to obey all my commands. In other words, after you get baptized, that's not the end of the journey. That's just the beginning of the journey. 
once you get baptized, you're supposed to learn to obey all the things that Jesus ever commanded. And that's why you need to read those four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because those four guys recorded the words of Christ. And as you hear what Christ tells you and how to live as you read those four books, and let me tell you, it doesn't take as long as reading those four books. You begin to learn. And according to Proverbs 2 and the Scripture in Timothy, write this down, you're supposed to learn the Bible when you're young. Most people get saved when they're young. I talked to a lady after church today. She was like in her 80s. She was like 89 when she got baptized. She's a miracle. Most people get saved when they're young. Now, if you're a parent here, mom or dad, raise your hand if you're mom and dad. You've got three, three things you should be doing. Number one, you yourself should become a Christian. You need to become a follower of Christ. Amen? Amen. Number two, you need to set an example for your kids. You don't tell them what they're supposed to You live your life in such a way that you can say to your son, hey, follow me because I'm following Christ. And the third thing you need to do, your third responsibility, is to teach your children the Word of God. Do not... Do not drop them off at the church for the youth department and say, hey, uh, Dusty, it's your job to teach them the Bible. It's my job is to drive them to soccer practice. No, no, no. It is your job to teach them the, the Word of God. My kids, we had a Bible. It was a children's Bible, so it wasn't a Bible word for word, but it was about that thick. It had pictures in it, and uh, a whole story would be like two paragraphs and big letters take you about two hours to read the whole book. I used to pay my children $20 if they would read that book. I'd walk down the hallway, I'd look in, they'd be reading it because they needed the 20 bucks. <laughs> you say, preacher, you really tried to bribe your kids with $20? That was the best $20 I ever spent in my lifetime. Because there's eternal value there. I don't know if you know this, but kids grow up. And then all of a sudden, they become their own person. They want to start doing their own thing. And one day, they wake up in a heap of trouble because they got off the wrong path, got off onto the wrong path. But if you taught them those scriptures when they're a children, they'll come back. I believe that they're pregnant women in here. I've seen this happen. A woman sits in here, she's pregnant for nine months. I believe that when that child is born and I see it and I start talking, that child just, that child recognizes my voice. I've seen that. And a good parent, a good parent, those nine months, that's the only time you've got that child captive. You should spend your time just reading scriptures. That child can understand. I, I believe that God, and those scriptures in Timothy talk about how from infancy I've learned the scriptures. Amen? Yeah. Number four. Jesus says, I will be with you always. Now, if I said to you, how many of you know the Lord's with you, you'd all raise your hand. But in context, everybody say context. Context is so important. In context... He's talking about you going into the whole world and teaching people how to follow Christ, baptizing them, and then teach them to obey everything Jesus has ever commanded. 
Some of you never, ever open your mouth, ever, to talk to anybody about Jesus because you're scared. You're afraid if you say something, it's going to come out wrong. Uh, Some of you are afraid you're not living right yourself or they're going to ask you a question and you're not going to know how to answer it. Listen, I believe this promise of the Lord being with you to the very end of the age is because when you go, he, he already knew that you were going to be a little timid, a little scared, and there are going to be times where you're going to be threatened or persecuted because of your faith and your boldness. But you just keep, you just do what God has asked you to do and just be rest assured that no matter who you are, just keep asking, God will be with you. You have nothing to fear, nothing to be afraid of. He'll give you the right words. He'll open the doors. If they ask a question, just say, I'll, 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 I'll get back in touch with you. I'll, I'll find out. But as you, as you share your faith and your love for Jesus Christ, I believe that you have nothing to fear because God himself will be with you via the Holy Spirit. Amen. In these uncertain times, we know as Christians there's a great comfort available to us in the form of prayer. If you feel the need right now for someone to pray with, we have phone counselors standing by ready to take your call. Our number is easy to dial. It's 888-818-4777. If you are unable to get through on your first try, please be sure to try again. Our phone number again is 888-818-4777. We also want you to know that Pastor Dudley Rutherford has a monthly devotional that he'd like to share with you. You can easily sign up to receive this devotional by simply going to our website, liftupjesus.com, and clicking on a link at the top of the page that says Monthly Devotional. There is a place on the Monthly Devotional page where you can enter your name and email address and begin receiving Pastor Dudley's monthly devotions on a regular basis. It's that simple. This is just one of the many resources we offer on our website, liftupjesus.com. That website again is liftupjesus.com. I'm Kyle Welch. Hoping you'll join us again tomorrow night at this same time here on KKLA as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.